Have you ever sat through a Relief Society lesson, heard an inspirational story about a woman who was born decades or even centuries before you, then wondered how in the world could her life possibly be relevant to yours? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear parts of some prominent talks given by women throughout the history of the church. Hopefully, along the way, you'll be able to see how their experiences can apply to you. Welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast. I'm your host, Shaylin Back, and today we have with us church historian Matt Groh. Nice to be here. And also Katie joining us again. She's a stay-at-home mom of two, and she's read the talks in At the Pulpit and is here to discuss her perspective and experiences. So we're so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Yeah, thanks for having me. So today, the discourse that we're going to discuss is by Jane H. Nyman, and she gave a talk in a Relief Society meeting in Beaver, and it's called Before Bearing and Forgiving. And again, this is in At the Pulpit. And this one is a little bit different from the other addresses included in At the Pulpit because it's not a full discourse, but we get the material and the quotes from a minute entry. So Matt, can you tell us a little more about that? Sure. So in the 1800s and into the 1900s, local Relief Societies had minute books. And they would have a secretary who would go to the meetings and they would record who spoke, who gave donations. And sometimes they record the talks in a sentence, sometimes in a paragraph, sometimes longer. And what we have here is an example of one of those uh, talks. And if you want to find the voice of 19th century Latter-day Saint women, you find it in these local Relief Society books more than anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, this talk was given you know, in 1869. So what's that? 150 years ago. And Jane was born, she was born in the 1700s. What's, what's Jane's story? So Jane has, has a fascinating story. So she joins the church in the late 1830s. Uh, She moves to Nauvoo and she's a widow uh, in the early 1840s. She actually applies for membership to the Nauvoo Relief Society. And back then you had to apply for membership. You didn't just automatically become a member. And when she applies for membership, an objection is raised. And so she doesn't become a member of the Relief Society. Oh, wow. So what what was that objection? So uh, you have to understand a little bit about what's going on in Nauvoo in, in 1842. And at this point, Joseph Smith is introducing plural marriage to a few people, but rumors are circulating about what's going on. And a few unscrupulous men take advantage of the situation and begin to seduce women. And two of Jane Nyman's daughters are mixed up in this. And because of that, apparently because of that, there's an objection raised. And so she doesn't become a member of the Navi Relief Society. Wow. So with that application process, I mean, did she apply again? How, what, whatever happened to So we, we just don't have records of, of her applying again. We know that she remains in Nauvoo. She, we know that she's poor. She's referred in, to in the Relief Society minutes as the Widow Nyman uh, because she needs assistance. She comes across the plains uh, with a couple of her daughters and with the Latter-day Saints, and she ends up in Beaver, uh, you know, 25 years after these initial events took place in Nauvoo. And the other thing interesting about thing about that is that the Relief Society goes through some fits and starts in early Utah. Some societies get started in the 1850s, and then they get closed down again. They just kind of uh, peter out. And it's in 1868, 1869, that there's a general movement to reestablish Relief Societies throughout the church. And oftentimes, when Eliza R. Snow or others are reestablishing these Relief Societies, they look to people who have been members 
of the Relief Society Nauvoo. And, oh. and Jane hadn't been a member, right? But she'd been in Nauvoo, and they call her as the first uh, president in Beaver. So that's neat, though, that her experience kind of came full circle where she was, you know, rejected as a member in Nauvoo and Relief Society. And now here she is the president right. of this Relief Society. Right. And she's giving this address. And her motto, I guess, as as the president, I thought it was interesting that she, she has yeah. this motto. You know, I, I really appreciate the... In my mind, I'm thinking that these earlier Relief Society presidents were really able to own the organization and really lead these women. But she said her motto as president was gather up the fragments, let nothing be lost. What do you think she meant by that? That's what I wondered, actually. I wanted to hear it because I I read that and I wanted to learn more about that. I wondered if she's talking about people. I mean, what did she mean? Yeah, I assume that's what she's talking about, right? Gather up the fragments, let nothing be lost. I think she's talking spiritually here, spiritually for for, for people who are lost, reaching out to them uh, and helping them. And, and I love what she chooses as the topic for her for her talk, because it does seem to be biographical in a sense, where she's she's calling for unity among the saints. She's calling for an end to slander or gossip or backbiting. So if you think about what happened to her in Nauvoo, uh, she's saying, I am choosing to reject that sort of thing, the, 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 the sort of rumors that caused her to not be accepted by at least some of her sisters in Nauvoo. She's saying, we need to, we need to stop this. We need to accept everyone. Yes. In relation to her experience and what her family experienced, listen to this quote. Mother Nyman addressed the meeting on the subject of charity, encouraging all to be forbearing and forgiving, refraining as much as possible from scrutinizing the conduct of our neighbors, remembering always that we are human and must therefore err. So again, this talk was given about 150 years ago, but how does that quote and this message, how does that relate to us today? You know, I was thinking as I was reading this years ago, my sister actually went through an experience where she fell away from the church for a bit and she was making an effort to come back. She brought my niece, you know, her daughter with her one day. And when she walked in the church building, this woman, the sister said, hi, nice to meet you, you know, welcome. And she felt so good. And then later on that day, she was taking my niece in the restroom and two women came in the restroom and she heard them, the same woman that had just welcomed her talking about her tattoos and different things. And so I thought back then when she told you know me that story and then even now, like, how can I not do that to others? It just made me a little bit more careful of the things that I'm saying. It's unfortunate because that lady, she didn't know that your sister was in the bathroom, but it's like she shouldn't have even said that. Do you know what right. I mean? It's just that's the message I think of Jane Nyman's talk is like we shouldn't be thinking like our thoughts should be about inclusion and recognizing that people make mistakes, but that we should never ostracize them. And it's such human nature, I think, to do that, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. the, the same message that applied in Nauvoo in the 1840s, that applied in Beaver in the 1860s. I mean, there's probably a reason that she's giving that talk to those sisters at that time. I mean, it applies to, applies to us as well. One, one of the other things I love about this talk is that in her obituary, it says that the, that the prophet Joseph Smith was her unvarying friend. He rebuked those who falsely slandered her. Right. And so the, the, the prophet Joseph had that vision. Mm -hmm. Right. And, 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 he, and he also warned people against gossip and, 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 and talking about people 
about having more charity uh, for people. Those are themes that he talks about too. And of course, that message is as relevant now as it was then. Well, and I think she felt that support of the prophet and that message. And it's something that carried her across the plains. I mean, she got rejected from the Relief Society. They voted her not to be a member. And yet she remained faithful in the church. Obviously, she um, made it to Utah and didn't let that circumstance hinder her her faith and right. and her experience. I, I I like to think of Jane saying, "No, you can't exclude me from my community. This is my community. I'm gonna. I, I believe in the church. I've been brought here, and I'm going to be a fully participating member." Yes, definitely. So this again, this is interesting because we're hearing this from the perspective of. basically the secretary of the Relief Society. And she says, it seemed to be the unanimous agreement of the spirit that presided over the meeting that tattling and slander should die a natural death, that charity which covereth a multitude of sins, which thinketh no evil and suffereth long and is kind. What do you think about when you hear about that quote and think of her talking about it? I do like how the secretary wrote that, right? That, that, That the saints in that room seemed to be making an agreement that they were going to put that uh, aside. And it's, it's interesting that the, the secretary, her name is Louisa Pratt. And Louisa has this fascinating life story herself where her husband Addison is called as a missionary to the South Pacific in the 1840s and spends a long time there. And Louisa and her daughters, four daughters, eventually end up going and uh, joining Addison in the Pacific. Oh, wow. And over time, after they return to the United States and, and some things, Addison mostly ends up leaving the church, and uh, they're separated, Louisa and Addison are. So so in some ways, it's a beautiful story. In some ways, it's a tragic story. But L- Louisa, like Jane, has this, I think, really long experience in life and in the church and has this perspective. Uh, and, and, and and I like to, to think of Louisa kind of cheering Jane along in this message. So at this point in time, they're back in the U.S. and right. Louisa and Addison are separated. Right. That's one of the things that I've really appreciated about the discourses and at the pulpit is just you really get a sense of not only these women and their personalities, but what they were going through at the time. Right. And so it's really encouraging to me, too, that, yes, they were experiencing a lot of the same things. And we can still have that strength and and strengthen our testimonies too with that. Yeah. Life has always been tough. Yeah. I wouldn't think it would be back then. Not to be yeah. like, oh, they had it easy, but I just wouldn't think that would be some of their issues that they dealt with. I thought they're you know, they're too busy like going across the plains, I don't know, doing other things. I didn't think they dealt with that. So it's interesting yeah. to hear. No, I mean, I think that's one thing I've really learned as a historian that human nature, I don't know that it changes a lot over time, right? And so <laughs> yeah. the, the, the sort of interpersonal, intergroup dynamics that we struggle with, they they struggled with them too. Because we, we have been talking about maybe this um, talk that she gave came from her own personal experiences, yeah. but the way that it's recorded in the minutes, it, it seems like maybe that was something that that group was experiencing at the time. You know, maybe some, we don't know, maybe something happened and yeah. she was reminding the members right. of this message because of what they were doing or saying, or we just, we don't know. Right. And of course that message of exclusion, inclusion, I mean, it's so, uh, almost every group at any time could <laughs> could probably benefit from that message, right? I mean, I think, I think a lot of um, our congregations struggle with that to some extent, or our youth groups, right? I mean, I mean, oftentimes there's you know tensions within the young men or the young women over over these very questions of exclusion and inclusion, and how do we as a people be 
totally inclusive, um, welcoming, reaching out, not in a kind of a way where we, uh, you know, welcome and then talk about someone in the bathroom, <laughs> right? Yeah. But but in a way that's genuine. Well, and one of the things I think that's a step in the right direction is that we don't vote members into the Relief <laughs> Society anymore. I was just wondering, like, what would that be like if that were the process today? But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's not because I found such valuable friendships totally. with the diversity within my Relief Society right. and I think that's such a great thing. And it's also nice you don't have to pay dues. Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she does say at this time that there are 15 new members of the Relief Society that just had had joined. And she said, we hope our new members will understand what will be expected of them in this honorable sisterhood, that they will live above reproach and by guarding the doors of their lips, keep themselves from censure. Hmm. What do you guys think about that imagery? Just guarding the doors of their lips and keeping themselves from censure. I don't know. I love it. I I feel like she's telling them these are your expectations. You know, be kind. Don't gossip. Keep it to yourself. (laughs) And I think think that's the expectations that the Lord has of us, too, as as sisters to treat each other kindly and, you know, watch what we say and do. And absolutely. So I just want to know why. Why do you think that, again, this talk being so unique that we just have the minutes from it? Why do you think this was included in At the Pulpit? A couple of reasons. One is that we, in At the Pulpit, we really wanted to have a diversity of voices, right? So we didn't want all the talks to be by Emma Smith and Eliza R. Snow. We, we wanted some general church leaders, but some also uh, local church leaders or, 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 or church members in whatever circumstance. And so you see that in the pages of At the Pulpit, right? Sometimes we'll have the General Relief Society president, and, and then the next talk will be by uh, a local member. Uh, because that, um, of course, we can benefit from the different perspectives uh, over time. I, th- I think another reason it was included at the pulpit is, is just this this woman sort of rising above what was what she probably felt like was done to her, right? This injustice that had been done to her in Nauvoo, or the the gossip that had circulated about her daughters, rising above that, and then helping others to rise above that uh, temptation of, of gossip and backbiting uh, as well. And I, I think the third reason is is in At the Pulpit, um, because, of course, there were hundreds of talks to choose from, right? So in, in some ways, the most difficult work in At the Pulpit was choosing which talk to include. Mm-hmm. And we looked for talks that could be timeless, right, that had that kind of timeless quality, a timeless message to them. One of the other things that that's really impressive to me about this discourse is that she had turned 78 years old in 1869 when she when she gave the discourse, right? So so she is called as this Relief Society president at the age of 77, 78, uh, and um, oftentimes I, I do think that more elderly members of the church sometimes wonder what exactly is my role at this mm-hmm. time in my life, right? Or um, some may feel less useful than they once did. And you see Jane Nyman just kind of jumping in, right? And saying, I, I can do this. And at, at some point she does say, the burden is too great for me. Let, let, let's pass it along. But even after that, she's still speaking in their meetings. They refer to her as Mother Nyman. And you see in that term, kind of the respect of the members of that Relief Society for her as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That is a neat perspective. Yeah. And I think it's, it's neat about as we read about Jane Nyman, that not only did she, she was a real pillar of strength spiritually, but she also helped people physically. I mean, when she came across the plains, there was a cholera epidemic and she just helped nurse 
people back to health. And she believed that if she did all in her power to save others, the Lord would spare her. And someone said, and thus it proved because here she is. And I just think that that's a valuable lesson too. So for those of you who are listening, if you haven't read this address, we encourage you to do so in At the Pulpit, just to learn a little bit more about Jane and her circumstances and the strong woman that she was in, in sharing this message from her life. Uh, you can find At the Pulpit in the Gospel Library. It's available in English, Spanish, and Portuguese, and you can find it at churchhistorianspress.org. And we just thank you so much for listening, and we we wanted to thank our guests, Matt Grow and Katie Perez. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experiences and your insights. Again, I'm your host, Shailen Back. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.